first, uh, fantasy football help. Our local fantasy football insider. He's global. He's national. He's not even just local because he plays in leagues with Matthew Berry. Andy Hall is here from Laser 103.3. What's up, brother? I'm also nationally ranked in terms of my accuracy. Oh, God. What What are you ranked? Uh, last year, I ranked 19th. In the country? Yeah. All right. Okay. Like third overall right. in quarterbacks. I mean, well, that was pretty good. FantasyNation.com, brother. Fantasy Nation. I got to go check that out. I didn't even know that. Right. <laughs> I've been doing that for a number of years. There's a couple of them out there that the uh, fantasy experts do, and that's the mm. one that I've been attached to. Well, let's get uh, to week one because I have always asserted there is no more worthless week of the football season than week one. We all love it. It was great to get it back. It was great to finally watch football and sit on red zone or if you went to a game, whatever. But week one is basically like the fourth preseason game. Largely, you're forecasting what has already happened in the past and not this season either. A lot has changed in the offseason for a lot of teams. So it's really hard to, aside from just looking at what teams have been doing during training camp and in the very limited preseason, as you alluded to, I mean, you're... these guys haven't played together. So like week yeah. one, everything you saw, like as, as high as I am on Jordan love and as low as people are in the Bengals, nothing matters. Yeah. You know, you... There's still 16 more of these things. Speaking of high Aaron Rodgers once famously said, relax. Yeah. R E L A X, you know, uh, so everything you saw in week one, you have to take with a grain of salt. So I do want to get to some of these week one busts, some guys that people probably spent huge or early draft capital on that just sucked. Yeah, let's start with the one you already alluded to, which is the Bengals passing All, offense. Everybody. And, I mean, everybody. The <laughs> Cleveland Browns, I have not seen a scheme like that work on a team of that many talented players. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Um, that was just complete dominance. And when you see a guy like T Higgins, who's arguably the best number two wide receiver in the entire league, and he was held without a catch. That's amazing. That is very, that's impressive. So, I mean, Chase didn't have a great game. Burrow looked awful pretty much all game long. I wonder if Burrow looked bad because of his preseason being limited because of the calf injury, or did they actually stymie the Cincinnati offense? I think it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, He's probably a little rusty having not really participated in much because of the injury, but also because I think the Browns did a really good job of scheming. Uh, they have that the right personnel, and not every team's going to be able to say that. The Bengals are going to be just fine. Yeah, the, the the trash talk. I love that he called that Jamar Chase called them a team of elves, and then the elves. He even admitted that the elves kicked their butt. Yeah. Like that was. Now I don't. I'm not sure who Cincinnati has this week, but I would imagine if you have a Bengal, start them. Doesn't matter. Like you wouldn't. You wouldn't not start Jamar Chase. You wouldn't not start Joe Burrow. Right, Kara? You start our producer, Kara. Never again. <laughs> but you you got to start the Bengals. You expect a big bounce back week. R-E-L-A-S. Yes. Let's move on. Saquon Barkley is another one that people are not necessarily freaking out about. But mm. let's face it, that Sunday night game got out of hand and very quickly. So yes. uh, Saquon Barkley at 12 rushes for 51 yards, three receptions for 12 yards, no touchdowns. Of course, you want to see him involved a little more in the passing game. And I think his yards per average were pretty decent against a good Dallas defense. So nothing to worry about there. It was a historical performance by Dallas. There's never been a single team to have seven sacks, five turnover, five fumbles, uh, a kick six and a pick six in the same season. And it happened in a game. It sure did. I mean, sometimes I've heard coaches say this. Sometimes you just wake up and get your ass kicked. Yeah. And that's what happened with the Giants. And that did happen. And I'll say something <laughs> else about Saquon Barkley. I mean, it's got to run through him in this offense. It just has to. Daniel sure. Jones can do what he can do with his feet, but he doesn't have a whole lot in the wide receiving core. 
He's got um, his tight end there, Darren Waller, who's already He's hurt, already by the hurt, way. He's already hurt, man. Like, so, who didn't see that coming? Yeah, I, I want to see Barkley more involved in the short passing game uh, going forward. But, you know, his yards per carry were just fine. And, and you can R-E-L-A-X on that one well, as well. Coming up, I'm going to have you evaluate a trade I made to acquire Daniel Jones with a 12-year-old. All right. <laughs> Sounds very compelling radio we're doing here today. Um, I actually have two more names I'll mention very briefly, and Josh Allen's one of them. I think there's some people that are very down on him after that Monday night performance, and, you know, for good reason. It was not his best performance, arguably. He's averaging two turnovers a game the last 30 starts or something like that. That's pretty scary from, from a football perspective, not, not just a fantasy football perspective. 29 of 41 for 263. He did throw a touchdown, but he had the three interceptions and, of course, the lost yeah. fumble as well, which doesn't help him whatsoever but things are going to get better for the bills starting this week you already talked about the game you guys will be airing oh we got yeah we got uh, bills and and vegas and if vegas goes up to buffalo and wins and the bills are zero and two you thought the smoke was hot on josh allen this week oh my gosh people are going to be all over him because he just doesn't seem to have you know people keep getting in his head like you got to change you can't keep throwing you don't have to throw into triple coverage why not just take the short check down but he's playing a lot of hero ball yeah, I really didn't like the one where he was off balance and scrambling away from a rush and then just chucked it downfield. I mean, it was every bit as good as a punt, I suppose. Yeah, it was a but... third down 20. Yeah, that's true. So, I that's mean, true. they ended up inside the 10-yard line, the Jets, when they caught the interception, I think, which didn't hurt the Bills that much. But, you know, in terms of the bottom line, and certainly for fantasy purposes, you don't yeah, yeah. want to see that. You would rather they punted that if that's you have Josh correct. Allen as your so, quarterback. He's going to be just fine, though. Josh Allen, I bet he's one of the top three quarterbacks this week in fantasy. And who is the last week one bust people should chill out about Josh Jacobs no question about it I mean 19 rushes for 48 yards is really good usage two receptions for 23 yards you want to see a little more where that's concerned considering his usage last year and it was pretty unprecedented uh in terms of the Raiders he he they, he's a guy that just signed a one-year deal you know they're going to do what he did what they did last year with him which is just run him into the ground so you want to see more of that this wasn't necessarily an easy matchup against denver in week one but things are going to get better for josh jacobs talking fantasy football with andy hall laser 103.3 and also fantasynation.com all right so how about some week one studs you got to also chill out about yeah, first of all, I'm going to mention Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver from the New England Patriots. Hot he waiver wire pickup. Had a really great game against the Eagles, which is not the most easy defense to move on both running I don't and know. Passing. Kirk Cousins moved it through the air yesterday. But, I mean, if you consider that, you know, they didn't have any other wide receiver options, and Darius Slay, who's largely considered one of the best cover corners in the entire NFL. Big play Slay you know, was was watching him pretty closely for Kendrick Board to finish with six receptions, 64 yards, and two touchdowns. He had 11 targets in that game in week one, but I'm not buying it for a couple of reasons. Number one, that New England offense isn't very good to begin with. Mac Jones is, he's a bottom-tier quarterback. But they got him a quarterback coach. They got him a, an actual offensive coordinator. We may see the promise from year one that we didn't see in year two. I don't know. They're they're a team that likes to spread the ball around a lot. Let's also keep in mind Devontae Parker was out in week one. So, you know, between Bourne and Juju Smith-Schuster and then Hunter Henry. And, I mean, they're going to spread the ball around. Plus, they got those backs that can catch the ball, too. I, I think maybe, maybe just maybe, Mac can be good. Because he was so bad last year. They, they benched him for whoever that rookie was that they were out of Western Kentucky against Green Bay or he got hurt or whatever. But... I, I think Mac Jones bounces back and has a good year this year. I don't think Kendrick Bourne is going to no, finish the season no. as wide receiver three as I he has so. in week one and half PPR. I, I don't believe it. So I'm not buying that. I'm also not buying Romeo Dobbs. Okay. Uh, he finished with five targets in the game, four receptions, 26 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, 
that kind of production, especially in terms of the scores, is not sustainable. It all will. You don't depend. think he's going to have thirty-four touchdowns this year? I, <laughs> if he if he does, I am dead wrong on this, and I'll take the L. But uh, Christian Watson will eventually return to the lineup for the Packers, and he's going to be the primary target, in my opinion. You also have Luke Musgrave, who looked really good in Week One. Yeah, and you also have Aaron Jones, who, despite the fact that he's dealing with a hammy issue right now, is clearly capable of taking one to the house anytime he touches the ball. And he only touched the ball 11 times that whole game. Jordan Love hit eight different guys. He did. He, he hit eight different guys in his very first NFL start. Uh, who? Anybody else on the I'm list? I'm just going to pump the brakes on on Dobbs there. But Justice okay. Justice Hill is the other one that's been kind of a hot wave, waiver wire pickup for Justice Baltimore. Hill. I mean, when you finish with eight rushes, just nine yards, but you score two touchdowns, that's Jamal Williams type of production. <laughs> yes. But the, let's face it, this is not the Detroit Lions of 2022 the Baltimore Ravens um, are in trouble now with J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. They're they in big trouble. If um, you had to put stock in anybody in that backfield, who is it? Is it Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Melvin Gordon's on the block? There are rumors of Kareem Hunt could go there. Yeah, I was going to say, I will uh, I will bet against the field here in this one, <laughs> and I will say that they are a prime target for a free agent signing, and whether that's somebody like Kareem Hunt, whom I've also heard attached to some other teams, or if it's a Leonard Fournette, mm-hmm. who I think would fit in really well with that offense. I don't know who it's going to be, but if Jonathan I'm betting... Jonathan Taylor's still out there. If I'm betting, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, if I'm betting, though, you know, the, the guys they currently have on roster versus an unknown who's a free agent right now, I'm taking the free agent. I would think that Baltimore wouldn't be where Indianapolis wants to trade Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if it matters if it's, it's in the same conference, but I mean, that you put Jonathan Taylor back there with Lamar. Look out. That's, that, that, that's scary. That would be a pretty, that'd be a potent offense, my friend. You mentioned Dobbins. Injuries big out of week one. Who are you looking at to find out if they're actually practicing today? And if not, late wire grabs just in case for some handcuffs. Well, I mentioned Aaron Jones earlier, and this is significant because the primary backup and really the only guy worth mentioning, at least for now, is, is A.J. Dillon. Um, who wasn't necessarily the most productive runner last year, but he's a he's a big, powerful guy. Mm-hmm. We've seen what he can do, especially when they get down into uh, inside the five-yard line for sure. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on Aaron Jones. I'm also keeping an eye on Jacoby Myers of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And that's a concussion issue, so he's in the protocol, and you have to keep a close eye on him. But obviously, 10 targets, 9 receptions, 81 yards, and 2 touchdowns for yeah. the Raiders. Yeah, on my bench. Very nice compliment to Devontae Adams there in Vegas. <sighs> and so... Keep a close eye on that one, and then I'll, the only one other, the only other one I'll mention because people like Aaron Rodgers, we've you know talked at length yes, about and yeah, how that's going yeah. to affect the Jets' offense. But it's uh, Deontay Johnson for Pittsburgh, who's dealing with a hamstring injury right now, and I would say arrows up on George Pickens and certainly Allen Robinson in that offense as well. Allen Robinson up from the dead. Yeah, he's still there. I think he had five catches last week or something like that. Yeah, six, seven targets, something like that. Also, uh, if you can get your hands on Josh Kelly, do it. Austin Eckler. Didn't practice yesterday, I don't think. And Josh Kelly, if you, he's probably off your waiver wire, but if he's still available, go grab him. He could be this year's Tony Pollard. That would be huge. And that off, exactly. Look who the offensive coordinator is that went from Dallas to LA. They ran the two back set in Dallas. They gave Pollard a lot of carries along with Zeke, Eckler, and Josh Kelly. Andy Hall, follow him on Twitter at Andy Hall Radio. Hear him on Laser 103.3 and fantasynation.com. Thanks, man. Thank you. Andy Hall in studio. Coming up, we will recap the big five and It is time to start talking about the seat under Matt Campbell. That's next. One oh two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. 
We have uh, baseball for you coming up tonight. The Cubs and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Game one out west in the desert. Game two is tomorrow night. It is the third leg of our doubleheader. Check that triple header. Penn State and Illinois. Well, I hope Penn State's not looking past the Illini because they got the Hawks next week. Iowa and Penn State in eight days. But tomorrow, Penn State and Illinois. We'll have it for you. 1030 for the broadcast right here from ESPN Radio. Followed by Drake Football. Drake and number one, South Dakota State. And then we've got baseball Sunday. We've got the Bills and Raiders, part of a doubleheader, followed by Sunday Night Baseball featuring your Chicago Cubs here on ESPN Des Moines. So if you like live sports, if you'd rather listen to live sports than talking heads, this is your radio station all weekend long, 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Coming up, I'm a little surprised that Matt Campbell is happy with being a loser in the Cyhawk game again, but I'll get to that in a bit. First, though, the Big Five in the National Football League. I know it's cheesy to say this, but good God, it was great to have football back last week. It was amazing. And I was at Soldier Field for the Packers and the Bears, so I did not. You know, it's one thing to go to a game and experience it. I'd never been to Soldier Field. I'd never seen uh, the Packers play down there, and it was awesome. But there's a completely different experience when you're sitting on your couch watching the Red Zone, and you're and it's just boom, 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 boom. And Scott Hansen, he doesn't take... He doesn't take a bathroom break for nine hours or whatever. And you just go from game to game to game to game. And it's seven straight hours followed by the Sunday night football game. Like it's, it's a very different experience if you are not at a football game on an NFL Sunday. So I look forward to this Sunday as much as I look forward to last Sunday. I look forward to this Sunday as well to be on my couch. Maybe I'll watch football on the deck. Who knows? But whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy it. Because there are some storylines and some things coming out of week one. And I like, I just talked to Andy Hall, who helped us talk some fantasy football. And if you missed that from Laser 103.3 and FantasyNation.com, that'll be podcasted later at ESPNDesMoines.com. But you can't overreact to anything you saw week one. You know, for example, as a Green Bay Packers fan, uh, I have been screaming for like five days. Do you know who the highest rated passer in the National Football League is? His quarterback rating is over 123. He threw three touchdowns, no picks. The highest rated passer in the NFL right now is Jordan Love. Week one, that's his floor. Now, I realize that I'm a homer. I've been on the Jordan Love bandwagon since like the day they drafted him, waiting for the process, watching him grow, waiting for the Rodgers saga to end. And I have, I'm, I'm chips in the middle. Look, if Jordan Love is a bust, I'm going to have egg on my face for decades. But I'm all in on Love. And week one, he looked pretty dang good. After the game, he was obviously pretty thrilled. It was great. It feels great. It's definitely been a long time coming for me. Three years as a backup. Just watching, learning, and, and growing. I wonder what the question could have been there. Like, how does it feel to win your opener? Like, what? It's what sometimes my brother's in the media. They ask some ridiculous questions. Like, what was his answer going to be? Terrible? Feels bad. I don't feel good about going into Chicago and continuing to hold the tradition of owning the Chicago Bears. Aaron Rodgers gave me the keys to Soldier Field last year and said, here, that team's yours now. I own you. Now it's your team. The dominance continues. You expect to hear. I I did kind of like this question, though. Um, Jordan Love was asked about what he visualized going into this one. I definitely, yesterday, was visualizing having a win, coming off the field after a win. Kept telling myself, I'm going to play great. We're all going to play great. And that's what I just kept telling myself over and over again. 
woke up today doing the same things, visualizing that we're going to get this win. Uh, we're going to play great today. I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be Aaron Rodgers. I would say he's not going to win four MVPs in a Super Bowl. All right. I would take a Super Bowl and then that's the, that can be the end of it. But Jordan Love's season, Jordan Love's career as QB1 began with a 15 to 27, 245 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks, quarterback rating of 123.2. And there's a lot of room for improvement, obviously. If you watch that football game, you saw that Jordan Love missed some throws. There were some timing issues, but that's what you expect out of a guy making his very first start as the man. Now, he did start against Kansas City, as we know. He came in in relief against Philadelphia. Uh, but this was literally like the, the amount of intrigue, the amount of pressure going into this football game. Get the Love era off on the right foot. Get this new era in the NFC North off on the right foot. And he did it. And he made Matt LaFleur very happy. All in all, I couldn't be more proud for his performance, his poise. There's a big-time belief in that locker room for Jordan Love. The guys, they're going to rally around him. They're excited for him. They, they love him. They respect him. He comes to work every day. Great attitude, great energy, and I, I think you saw that today. Now, do I think he's going to throw three touchdowns and no picks every game? No, there will be growing pains for a young quarterback in his first year in the National Football League, but it was off to a really good start. On the other side of the coin for the Chicago Bears, what the hell was that? If you're a Bears fan and you have been invested in the Justin Fields era beginning two years ago, and here we are now in year three, if you watched last year when he had nobody to throw to, and that's the reason why he's a bad passer, they added DJ Moore. They added Chase Claypool. They brought, I mean, Darnell Mooney healthy. They gave Cole Komet big money. Justin Fields looked terrible. 24-37, 216, a touchdown, a pick, sack four times. You're like, all right, well, how do you do on the ground? Nine carries, 59 yards. I mean, it's okay. Doesn't help my fantasy team. Traded him away. Uh, but Justin Fields, the alleged new king in the north, looked terrible. The Bears looked terrible. So if you got Justin Fields up on the the, uh, the the stand and you said, hey, or up behind the uh, the microphone of the podium, what happened in your 38-20 loss to Green Bay? You know, we had a rhythm starting off early, but um, kind of the moral of the story is that we shot ourselves in the foot so many times. Pre-snap penalties, uh, false starts, holdings, and then, you know, when you know, we put ourselves in, you know, third and longs, third and 10, third and 15, it's it's hard to convert on that, you know, for NFL offense, you know. So uh, I think if we just clean that up, keep getting better, then, then we'll be fine. But we definitely got to put ourselves in a better position, you know, on third down to co- convert that. In no place, no way, no time, no shape, no form, no way did he verbalize it. In that soundbite, did Justin Fields take any blame? He blamed pre-snap penalties, holdings, and putting his team in third and long. There There are a lot of excuses being made for Justin Fields right now by Bears fan. Bears fan says the scheme was bad from offensive coordinator Luke Getze. That nothing that they're holding Justin Fields back because they're not letting him throw the ball down the field. Like the air yards was like four on average. He was not throwing the ball down the field. I think there was one pass or less than five passes that Justin Fields threw that were more than 10 yards down the field. And you have people fighting on the internet. Who is that on? Is that on Getze, Luke Getze, their offensive coordinator, for not scheming it up for Fields to launch the ball down the field? Or is that on Justin Fields for being scared to throw the ball down the field? 
when you brought, when you traded away the number one pick in the National Football League draft for DJ Moore, which is essentially the linchpin in the entire trade, you got to get that guy the football. He was targeted two more times than I was, and I was three levels up in that stadium. You have to get the ball to the guy that you brought in, that you're paying big money to be wide receiver one, and they didn't. And that is on Justin Fields. That is on Luke Getze. That is on this entire Chicago Bears offense for not getting the ball to your number one playmaker. Greeny agrees. Justin Fields looks lost. Justin Fields has made no progress. I have no idea whether his destiny was or wasn't to be an all-time great quarterback, but I do not think it is overreacting to say every red flag you own, you should be raising right yeah. now in Chicago. You should. I mean, I watched him in the preseason. If you, um, I can't play it for you because he swears too much, but if you want something to watch this weekend or you have some downtime, go to the QB school on YouTube or on Twitter. A guy who used to play quarterback in the NFL, J.T. O'Sullivan. You probably remember the name. Not a great quarterback, but even guys that aren't Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, they know the game. They understand concepts. They were just never good enough to be great in the NFL. And they can break down film way better than people like you and me, right? Watch J.T. O'Sullivan break down the play of Justin Fields. He uses words I can't use on the radio because Fields is just looks lost. The offense looks terrible. They don't scheme anything well for Fields. And Fields makes terrible decisions. King in the North? Justin Fields is going to be lucky to play for this team, to play in the North next year. I'm not kidding. I mean, again, you cannot overreact to week one, all right? As high as I am on love and as low as I am on Justin Fields. But we know what Justin Fields is. We've seen it the last two seasons. Open field, tough to catch, can't tackle him. He's a, a physical specimen with wheels. You keep him in the pocket. Remember when we used to say Lamar couldn't throw? That's how I felt when, when Josh Allen was a rookie. Josh Allen couldn't throw. Completed like 57% of his passes, and now he's a 70-cent uh, completion guy most nights. Justin Fields can't throw. And this is year three for Justin Fields. This is not year one or start five or start eight. This is year three for Justin Fields. And again, we'll see what happens in week two. They go to Tampa. Tough place to play. Tampa's riding high. You know they got a good defense down there in Tampa. They're going to bring the heat just like Green Bay. If you watch Green Bay's defense a year ago, they sat on their ass. They sat on their heels, and it was a let's react to what the other team does. This effort against Justin Fields, knowing they had to keep him in the pocket and get him moving horizontally as opposed to vertically, that was exactly, if you're a Green Bay Packers fan, what you wanted to see out of the Green Bay defense. They did it, and I was happy to see it. Not just as a Packers fan, but as a football fan, you want to see how teams are going to react to Justin Fields. And it was, it was pretty great to see, especially when you were sitting there as a Packers fan at Soldier Field watching Green Bay whoop up on the Bears. King in the North. No, the new King in the North. The new King in the North wears number 10 for the Green Bay Packers, all right? You, you need to get that straight.
Bears fan. Tell all your Bears. I know my guy Gunner is watching from Laser. He's a big Bear fan. Even he wouldn't trade. He, I was trying to. I'm trying to dump Justin Fields in fantasy football. Even Gunner, whose Facebook status on game day was bear down. Even Gunner didn't want to take this guy. So Kira, I tried to dump him on you. Try to trade you straight up Justin Fields for Jordan Love. You couldn't reject the trade quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Kira will do me a solid. She knows what a Jordan Love fan I am. She'll do it. No, reject it. Completely reject it. I want to say for the record, when we were doing our draft, uh, when I picked up Jordan Love, who, by the way, I picked up, I think, round... Like nine, nine eight, something yeah. like that. And yeah, and I, yeah, I was yeah. pick 11. Yeah, I know. So, I was going, know. I was going to pick him next time around, and you took him. Yeah, huh <laughs> uh, You said the words, Kira... Dot, dot, dot. Let's talk trades. Right. And I believe my response was, no, thank you. <sighs> even on trade. Even on trade. Uh, draft night, you wouldn't even have the conversation. No. Well, I did eventually trade him away yesterday. I, I, a 12-year-old in our league, the son of our general manager, countered my trade offer. And now I'm the proud, in a day and a half when it processes, uh, I will be the proud manager of uh, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, but I also picked up Kenneth Walker, sent off James Cook, and Justin Fields. I feel good about the trade. It's kind of even. My receivers are loaded, so now all I got to do is improve my running. But nobody cares about your fantasy team. Coming up, the rest of the Big Five, including what Patrick Mahomes has to say about being in a crowded AFC. That's next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What's up? My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wicket's World. I am rocking a Christian Watson jersey. Packers fans uh, are doing a Christian Watson please play seance on on Twitter. See there? There you go. There's a prayer circle going on on Twitter trying to get Christian Watson to play. Rob Domovsky, who was on this show last week from ESPN.com, tweeted this out or zeded this out. Went out uh, Christian Watson went out with the team after stretch. Aaron Jones did not. Quay Walker practicing for the second straight day going through a concussion. He had on the big pick six that ended the game. So we're going to see. We'll see if Christian Watson plays. Romeo Dubs banged up. The Packers could be real shorthanded uh, when they go down to Atlanta to play against the uh, the Falcons. Uh, coming up, I do want to talk about Matt Campbell and how nobody in the state, at least none of the Iowa State uh, media, wants to talk about something that's painfully obvious. That's coming up. But I want to finish on the National Football League and the world champion Kansas City Chiefs, who... I don't think it feels like forever ago that they played against the lions on the, on opening night. Right. But I don't think you can really be embarrassed to lose without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. And the lions had something to prove that night. When you don't have a real great pass catcher outside of Travis Kelsey, you're going to struggle to score some points. Even if you have Patrick Mahomes week one, you know, losing Kelsey two days before the game goes on. That can be really, really tough for a team to overcome. So I, I don't think anybody, like I said, you can't overreact to the things you see in week one. Week one's basically the fourth preseason game because these guys didn't play 60 minutes of football in the preseason together. Heck, they probably didn't play 16 minutes of football together and they're out on the field playing for the first time. And now, you know, everybody's looking at Kansas City. What happened to the Chiefs? What happened to the Chiefs? Smart people realize that you don't bet against Andy Reid this early in the season and you don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. 
guys are ready to go. We didn't like how we played this last Thursday, um, and so I think guys are ready to get out there and kind of prove to everybody, even ourselves, who we really are. So the AFC, as everybody knows, is loaded. Despite the Bengals, who, you know, when we had Andy Hall in talking some fantasy football earlier, even though the Bengals look terrible on offense, nobody's doubting Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Zach Taylor, and the, and the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think people are ready to jump off the Buffalo Bills ship yet, but if some people are looking at Josh Allen saying, what's going on with these turnovers, if... If this was Dak Prescott, we would be all over Dak for four turnovers in the opener, but people are giving Josh Allen a pass. But that AFC, all of a sudden Cleveland in week one got some people raising their eyebrows for how well they played against the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe maybe Vegas isn't terrible. You know, the Chargers are the Chargers. It's going to be chargering that happens. Big numbers and a lot of chargering. It's going to happen. Pittsburgh looked bad. Baltimore, they're kind of a question mark right now. But this AFC, a lot of good teams. You know who's not worried? Patrick Mahomes. You never know what's going to happen in this league. People lose every week. It's parity. I mean, that's what this NFL is about, and everybody can beat everybody, and you have to come in with the mentality um, that you're going to play your best football. We lapsed in that this last week, um, and we were playing a good football team, and they beat us. So I don't worry about kind of those other teams that are around the league because you never know who's going to be at the top at the end of the year until kind of the end of the year whenever you're trying to find your seating. So you just try to go out there, be the best team that you can be, and stack as many wins as possible. I'll say this right now, and I've said it a lot. I'm sure I said it last year. We started doing shows right into the NFL season here on ESPN on Des Moines, uh, you don't need, you don't really know who your team is until October. And maybe if you're lucky and you got a, a bunch of guys who have bought in, been around for a while, veteran teams, maybe by week three, your team's got it mostly figured out. First of all, new offenses, new quarterbacks, new coordinators, new systems, they take a lot of time. The defense, you always hear about it in preseason. The defenses are always way ahead of the offenses. Defenses are winning practices. Guys are making mistakes. Defenses are capitalizing, and it's the offenses who have to do all the extra push-ups or laps or stairs or whatever. This happens in regular season football as well. Because, again, these guys didn't play much other than in their practices, their scrimmages. They don't play in the preseason all that much. Nobody plays four quarters of football, three games in the preseason. I mean, they play a quarter, quarter and a half, maybe, if they're young, and then get out so nobody gets hurt. So that's a thing. No matter what happened 10 days ago or nine days ago or whatever, when the eight days ago when the season opened, I don't think there's a single person that's an NFL fan that, barring injury, is going to bet against the Chiefs being one of the six, seven best teams in the AFC, winning the division in all likelihood and competing for the Super Bowl, right? Like, come on, you're not, oh, the Lions went down there and won. The Mahomes era is over. Might as well tank for Caleb Williams. No, they're going to be fine. Chiefs are going to be fine. If they're 0-3, if if Kadarius Toney is still making all the same mistakes he made in week one, if Chris Jones is not playing at a high level now that he's back from his holdout, all right, I'll listen to the Chiefs starting to maybe have some problems. But they got Mahomes. They got Andy Reid. They're good. No worries. Maybe the single most impressive win, though, in all of the National Football League. Well, I don't think it's even arguable. I think it was the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I didn't see much of this game. I was driving back from Chicago. But a 40 to nothing butt whooping. 40 to nothing over the New York Giants. Most impressive win of the entire weekend, hands down. And... You don't ever see a, a, a team in a game get sacked seven times. You don't see a team in a season 
Get sacked seven times at one point. Five fumbles. A pick six and a kick six. But guess what? It all happened. And for the first time ever, it happened in one game. That's never happened in one season to one team, but it happened in one game to the New York Giants. And and that's what... Sometimes you just take the tape, and throw it in the fire, you burn it, you move on. That's what the Giants have to do. Dallas... They're not going to win every game 40 to nothing. I bet they don't win another game 40 to nothing. That's my football expertise right there. 40 to nothing. Dak feels good. So first game, that's y'all's jobs to, to, to write whatever statement it needs to be. For us, it's about um, not getting ahead of ourselves, continuing to, to stay disciplined, show the discipline. Not only that we did uh, through these four quarters, but but taking that and making sure we use that in our preparation throughout this week. And then, then moving forward to next week, going home against another New York team, um, a good team. So it's the NFL. You got to show up week in and week out and be prepared. And you don't see a lot of wins like this. So we're not going to get our, uh, ahead of ourselves on this. They did it on the offensive side of the ball. They did it on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they... they this Dallas team, everybody knew Dallas was going to be a pretty good team, right? Like if you were, I think I've got them in the playoffs. I'll look back at your predict- predictions, Kira. I'm sure you had them in the playoffs. Dallas with Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons. They're really good. They're really a good, t- a good football team. We knew that. I like to, to joke with Cowboys fans because, you know, they're still a team that they're still a fan base that thinks that they, uh, you know, are perennial super perennial Super Bowl contenders every single year. My neighbor Shane, huge Cowboys fan, hung his flag on Monday morning after they won. There it was. And they're a good team. I don't know if they're a great team. I know they're a good team. I know they're not 40 to nothing every single week good, but they're a darn good football team. And when you get a win like that, Dak knows it's definitely a team win. Great team win. And like you said, it starts with the defense, really starts uh, with special teams. I mean, starting it with the block field goal that turns into a touchdown. Um, and them just, the defense then just creating turnovers and giving us a, touch, a couple of touchdown lead and then just allowing them to go to go feast. And uh, I think I've talked about it all spring to, to training camp, um, understanding the pass rush that we were going against at practice and just watching that come alive against another team, another quarterback uh, was exciting. And as you said, made it easier for us on our side. A week ago, I think people, you don't look ahead in the NFL, but I think as fans, we were really looking. I mean, I think if you look at the the Jet schedule, you were looking at this one. The first one was a great opening week game for the Jets. Jets and Bills, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Monday Night Football, 9-11 in New York. Like, there was a lot going into that game. And then, of course, the Rodgers injury happens, and you're like, oh, no. I don't care if you're a Packers fan, a Jets fan, a Bills fan, a Bears fan. Anybody who's happy about Aaron Rodgers is a horrible person, all right? I don't even like Aaron Rodgers anymore, but I was sad to see him get hurt. I was sad to see him get hurt. Selfishly, I needed him to take 65% of the snaps so that the Jets' second-round pick could become a first-round pick, but I also just didn't want to see a guy who brought me so much joy on the football field get hurt. That just sucks. The bookmakers moved this game, Jets and Cowboys, It was three a week ago. On this day, it was three. It's now nine and a half. That is an astronomical number. That is a huge jump for it to jump six and a half points. And that's the difference. Going to break this down for you. That's the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. I don't think you need to be a football expert to understand the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. But that's the difference. I mean, you're talking about a huge number in the National Football League. Nine and a half. I think it's too big. I think both of these defenses will muddy it up. I think both of these defenses will force some turnovers. We'll get after the quarterback. I think Zach Wilson has, I mean, he's the guy. We keep hearing in in New York from Robert Saleh, 
we keep hearing that Zach Wilson's the guy, right? This is it. Yet they're talking to all these different uh, veterans, including Matt Ryan coming out of the booth. That's not going to happen. Somebody suggested Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick hasn't played football in six years. The last time Colin Kaepernick played in the National Football League, Zach Wilson was getting his driver's license. All right? He couldn't vote. <laughs> so that tells you how long ago Cap Ship has sailed. There's some other names on the trade block, and, and, and who knows where they do wind up going. But the head coach says it's going to be Zach Wilson going forward. It just takes so much intrigue out of this game between the Jets and the Cowboys coming up. It's the CBS game, the 330 game uh, on Sunday. And then last night, Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk, threw four touchdowns. Played, did everything you, you would expect a guy who's making $86 million or whatever Kirk Cousins is making. He's always on that, that level of he's not great, but he's good. Four touchdowns on the road. At Philly, not enough. Because Minnesota's a fraud. All right. Remember, they were eleven and zero in one score games a year ago. Eleven and zero. This year, they're zero and two. They lost a one score game last week to Tampa. They lost a one score game last night to the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. Vikings. I'm really starting to regret my Vikings are going to win the NFC North prediction. I'd like to go back. That's going to be the one carry you can make fun of me in about four months from right about now. Doesn't feel real good. But you know things are starting to go sour when all of the talk, all of the talk is about Kirk Cousins getting traded from Minnesota to the New York Jets. Here's ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum. I think that's something that could certainly happen. He's in the last year of his contract. The New York Jets obviously desperately need a quarterback right now. He is certainly a name to me that lines up because Kevin O'Connell wasn't there when they acquired him. I don't think he's going to be able to get him to where they want to go ultimately. So I, I think as the weeks go on here, Cousins to the Jets makes a ton of sense. I don't think it's possible financially. I don't think that there is room in the Jets cap to pull this off. And also, I don't think the Jets, you're going to have to give up a lot if you want to get Cousins for a year, even for a rental they don't control their first-round pick or their second-round pick right now because of their trade with Green Bay. Now you're like, Wicket, Rodgers is on the IR. He's not going to play the snaps. No, the way the deal works is you you don't know it's still in limbo, and once the season ends, that's when the picks can get moved. They don't currently own their picks, so you can't trade a pick you don't know if you own yet. You would have to give up future first-round picks or second-round picks to rent Kurt Cousins if you think this is the window because you're not going to have Cousins on the payroll next year and Aaron Rodgers, and they have to pay Aaron Rodgers a boatload of money when he comes back from the Achilles injury. I don't think Kirk Cousins is a real viable option to go to New York. We'll see. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I'm wrong often. All right, coming up. I know Iowa State fan doesn't want to hear this, and I hope my neighbors aren't listening. But can we get real about Matt Campbell and the temperature of his seat? That's next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Happy Friday to you. Coming up tonight, we have uh, the Cubs on the road at the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then tomorrow, a triple header of live sports. Uh, it starts with a Big Ten matchup between Penn State and Illinois from Champaign-Urbana. 10.30 for the pregame on that. 11 o'clock kick right here on ESPN Des Moines. And then after that, it's Drake football against number one South Dakota State. That is a uh, two o'clock broadcast. Is that right? That's what my sheet says right here in front of me, I believe. Kickoff at 2.30. And then after that, we join up with the uh, Cubs and Snakes once again. Pat and Ron out in the desert. It'll be uh, game two 
for Chicago and Arizona. That one's out in Phoenix. And then on Sunday, it'll be the Las Vegas Raiders and Buffalo Bills up in upstate New York. Look at Western New York. That's not upstate, right? I don't know New York. I can, I don't know anything about New York. I've been once in my life. <laughs> I'd like to go again, but eh, whatever. Uh, Bills and Raiders, that's coming your way on Sunday. And then Sunday Night Baseball. The Cubs will be on national television at Arizona. We'll have that for you. Live sports all weekend right here on ESPN Des Moines. So half the state of Iowa is still mourning the Cyhawk loss, right? 20 to 13. Iowa beat Iowa State again. Happened again, this time in Ames. And I started thinking about this, and every time you start having this conversation with an Iowa State fan, especially one who, you know, just bleeds the cardinal and gold, they get a little angry with you. Now, I want to preface this. This is always the but. I'm not saying fire Matt Campbell right now. And I'm not saying Matt Campbell deserves to be fired at the end of this year. But what is Matt Campbell going to have to do to start getting the heat turned up on his seat? Matt Campbell, since Brock Purdy was taken last in the NFL draft, Iowa State's 12 and 15. They lost eight of their final nine last year. They had one Big 12 win last year. They've beaten one ranked opponent without Brock Purdy. They beat Oklahoma State, who was number eight back in 2021. In all of his years at Iowa State, and I realize that perhaps goals should not be to win the Big 12 every year. Perhaps goals aren't to make the college football Final Four like they are in other schools. But he's finished better than tied for third one time in seven years. This year, beat Northern Iowa. Woohoo! Lost to Iowa. Again, more on that in a minute. When a Big 12 team goes on the road, it's very weird in the non-conference schedule. But Iowa State's going on the road to play Ohio. Not Ohio State, to play Ohio in Athens. The Bobcats. And you would think that a Big 12 team going up against a MAC team, Big 12 team would be heavily favored in that matchup. Maybe if this game was in Ames, they're a three-point favorite on the road, which means if they were at home, if the game was at Jack Trice Stadium, it'd be a nine-point Iowa State favorite. Uh, the spread would be favored. The Iowa State Cyclones would be favored. Easy for me to say. So I assume they're going to win. I would think they beat Ohio, but I have no idea. After that, for uh, for Iowa State, Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma, TCU, at Cincinnati, at Baylor, Kansas, at BYU, Texas, at Kansas State. I would listen to an argument that said they're not going to win another game this year. That's a brutal schedule for a bottom-level Big 12 team. And then there's this factor, all right, for the heat to get start getting turned up on Matt Campbell. And I know, Iowa State fans screaming, Wicket, the program's in good shape. Is it in good shape? You got guys busted for gambling that are off the team now. Oh, Wicket, but that's why they're going to struggle this year. At some point, the coach has to be able to win football games by getting his team coached up. 
If they lose to Ohio, oh boy, going to be tough to find another win on that schedule. Beat Ohio, get the two and one, maybe you can find one. But lose to Ohio? Recruits in this state are going to start looking elsewhere. All right? They already are. You know why the biggest factor is? Matt Campbell can't beat Kirk Ferentz. Matt Campbell's one and six against Iowa. And they didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. Statistically, I would guess they'd be one and seven. Matt, you, if you cannot beat your rival, and I know, boosters love him, blah, blah, blah. He, saw, he says all the right things. If you can't beat your rival, boosters are going to start getting upset. The money is going to start getting upset. The people in your corner are going to start leaving your corner. One and six against Iowa. And then there was this, this quote from Matt Campbell after losing yet another Cyhawk game. I'm really proud of our football team. Exactly. I mean, I, I think it's the best we've played in this football game since I've been here. Can we play that again? I'm really proud of our football team. Exactly. I mean, I, I think it's the best we've played in this football game since I've been here. Not the game you won last year, 10-7, but the game you lost a week ago was the best effort, 20-13. to 13. I mean, granted, Iowa State had the ball 33 minutes to 26. Rocco Beck outplayed Cade McNamara. Ran the ball for 87 yards on the ground. Like, I, I think if you know if you're an Iowa, Iowa State fan, the Cyhawk game isn't exactly the prettiest football game you're going to watch. It's weird. There's often ugly plays. A lot of mistakes get made. There's a lot on the line for these kids. There's a lot on the line for the coaches. But as I watch Matt Campbell lose to Kirk Ferentz every single year, again, one in six, is there any reason to believe they're going to go to Iowa City a year from now and win that Cyhawk game? I mean, I'd bet I'm not a betting guy, but I would bet on Iowa. I bet on Iowa every year. They've dominated the rivalry, and they've really dominated the rivalry against Iowa State. You know, when Jim Tressel, long time ago, there was a guy that used to coach Ohio State. His name was John Cooper. All right? And John Cooper had really good Ohio State teams. Really good Ohio State teams. They'd win 10, 11 games a year. Always at the top of the rankings. But his record against Michigan was 2-10-1. When you win twice in 13 tries, that's what got John Cooper fired. And they brought in Jim Tressel, the snake. But they brought in Jim Tressel from Ohio. And Jim Tressel from Ohio, if you remember the very famous press conference, he was in Columbus. And he was at a, an Ohio State football or an Ohio State basketball game. And they brought him out the day he was signed, center court. And he said, you're going to be proud of them on the football field, in the classroom, and in Ann Arbor, Michigan, in 321 days. And the crowd lost it. Because a coach like that knows. Just like I think Kirk Ferentz knows. You have to beat your biggest rival. You have to beat your in-state rival. A, it puts a fence up around the state. And it puts Iowa front and center where the best players in the state of Iowa are. Now, as a kid living in Iowa, you probably grew up a fan of Iowa or Iowa State. Most do, right? And if you're watching one team get their tail kicked every single year, and you're trying to figure out as a hot shot wide receiver or defensive lineman or quarterback or whatever, where you want to go, 
and you got Kirk Ferentz knocking at your door, the dean of college football coaches, 200 career wins, 6-1 and one now against Matt Campbell, and then here's Matt, who's now 12-15 and 15 in his last 27 games. It's three years removed since the Brock Purdy era. At some point, somebody's going to have to take a look at Matt Campbell and say, maybe this isn't the right guy. I understand he says all the right things about being prepared and the goal isn't to win the Big 12. The goal is to be the best version of ourselves and all that crap that comes out of his mouth every single week. But let, play that sound, but after the Cyhawk loss, one more time for me, please, Kira. I'm really proud of our football team. Exactly. I mean, I, I think it's the best we've played in this football game since I've been here. You lost. You, you, you lost. How is that the best you played when you won the thing a year ago? Your only time you've ever beat Iowa. I just, I, and again, I don't want Matt Campbell fired. I like Matt Campbell. He, he does have a good program. Seems to be very liked by his team. Seems to be good for the program. But what matters most is winning. And Matt Campbell ain't winning. All right? Matt Campbell's 12 and 15 in his last 27 games. One Big 12 win last year. And one and six against Iowa. And I found a little gambling stat, if you, if you care about this. With Matt Campbell in 26 games where the spread was either minus four or plus four. So a competitive game where the Vegas line said, this game is going to be good. These two teams are evenly matched. He's six and 20. Six and 20 in those games where the spread is either minus four or plus four for Iowa State. That's amazing. And he's lost seven of the last 10. I'm sorry. He's lost the last seven and 10 of the last 11. He doesn't win the close games. Oh, but wicked. He lost Hunter Deckers. Really? You're going to blame this on Hunter Deckers and Jirel Brock? That's the reason why? Are you kidding? I'm not sure. The heat should get turned up on Matt Campbell. But again, I don't think that the media in the state's going to do that. But it definitely needs to. His record is not good enough to justify being the sixth or seventh highest paid coach in the Big 12 or whatever he is making $4 million a year. Unless they start winning some games. And then I'll eat crow. Are you going to the show? This is Avatar. Are you going to go to the show tomorrow? Oh, I hope so. You hope so? <laughs> Thanks to Andy Hall for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thanks for watching on the Facebook page. My name is Mike Wickett. Thanks for hanging out with us here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.